Seven Mile Road, we have a tremendous opportunity in front of us. We live in a moment where we have the opportunity to be carriers of hope and healing in a world that needs it. We're preaching through a series called A Time to Rebuild because we are studying the book of Nehemiah and because we believe this is a time to rebuild, that we of all people, carriers of the hope of Jesus that is in fact the hope of the world, that we have an opportunity to rebuild social fabric where loneliness has settled in, to rebuild unity where division reigns, to rebuild wholeness and restoration in a community that right now is longing for it. We, we have an opportunity to be this sort of community by stepping into our realm of authority and responsibility, whatever that may be, and exercising proper, godly leadership. We want to be a people that are a part of rebuilding what this season has, has threatened to break apart. And as we continue on this journey with this amazing leader, Nehemiah, as we're considering how he and the community that he's leading is responding, we come this week to, to Nehemiah chapter 5. And in so doing, we're going to consider the character of a leader. The character of a leader. I want to read to you from an article that was written by Adam Grant. Um, Adam Grant is an organizational psychologist at the Wharton School. And he wrote an article called, uh, called Power Doesn't Corrupt. It just exposes who leaders really are. It was in the Washington Post in February of last year. He says this, power doesn't always corrupt. Power always reveals. When you have enough power to do what you always wanted to do, then you see what the guy always wanted to do. And he finishes the article saying this in his conclusion. He says, when we claim that power corrupts, we let powerful people off the hook. How you use authority reveals your character. Selfish leaders hoard power for personal gain. Servant leaders share power for social good. And the ultimate test of character for people in power is how they treat the people who lack it. In this article, the, the argument is being made that character is so critical in leadership because as you step into a place of responsibility and of authority, the authority entrusted to any person exposes the character of what's going on. And we could all list stories of, of leaders that we have known or seen from a distance that when stepping out to, to call a group of people together, that it was their character that ultimately became the demise of that venture. And it doesn't have to be a president or a prolific pastor. Moms and dads, co-workers and friends, I just want you to understand that whatever position you have to exercise authority, your character if not in alignment what you're calling your family to or your coworkers to or your friends to, if it's not in alignment, if who you are in the secret places and not alignment with what you're saying publicly around the dinner table to your wife and your kids, it will be the demise of the journey that you're on, the rebuilding program that you're a part of. And so we're going to wrestle as a people, a people who have all been entrusted with authority in different areas and different spheres, what does it mean to wield the authority given to us with great character? With great character. And what we're going to see in studying Nehemiah chapter 5 is this, that, 
that leaders with character see things upside down. They see things upside down, upside down from the way the world sees things, upside down from the way that our flesh would, would tell us to respond to things, that leaders with character have a very different picture of how things work and how they ought to be. And today, as, as we study Nehemiah chapter 5, or maybe more pointedly, as we let, as we let Nehemiah 5 study and reveal us, we will see three areas where, where this particular leader is going to see things upside down. It's not a comprehensive list, but it's a true list of things that a, a leader of character will see differently than the world and differently than the flesh. And so, as we continue on this journey to be a people stewarding this great responsibility of, of being a people that rebuild, let's consider what role character plays in that. And as we do, we're going to direct our attention to the text and ask God to speak directly to our hearts today. We're going to pick up in Nehemiah chapter 5. I'm going to read for us to start verses 1 through 7a. And just before I read, permit me to remind you what the prophet Isaiah says about the scriptures. He says that the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of God will stand forever. It is a confusing time to live. There are so many competing voices. It is so easy to get tangled up and confused and to struggle in this world. And and I just want to invite us today to remember that when we come to this word, we're coming to something authoritative and life-giving and eternal and powerful. We would be very, very wise to pay attention to God's word. Nehemiah 5, starting in verse 1. Now, there arose a great outcry of the people and of their wives against their Jewish brothers. For there were those who said, with our sons and our daughters, we are many, so let us get grain that we may eat and keep alive. There were also those who said, we are mortgaging our fields and our vineyards and our houses to get grain because of the famine. Now let me just pause and make a note there. We haven't previously known there was a famine going on, but we are just introduced to yet one more challenging reality that is meeting Nehemiah and the communities leading. They're struggling through a famine, trying to figure out how to survive. And they go on to say in verse 4, and there were those who said, we have borrowed money for the king's tax on our fields and our vineyards. Now our children is as the flesh of our brothers, and our children are as their children. Yet we are forcing our sons and our daughters to be slaves. And some of our daughters have already been enslaved. But it is not in our power to help it. For other men have our fields and our vineyards. I was very angry when I heard their outcry and these words. I took counsel with myself. You see, Nehemiah, as he continues to to press in to be a part of God's rebuilding plan for Jerusalem, to speak to a people that have lived amongst the rubble for 70 years and say something better is possible, he he continues as he presses in on this journey to meet difficulties and challenges. And the particular challenges he's going to face in our text this week reveal the character of the leader. And the first thing that we see, the first thing that's going to be revealed is that a char- the character of a leader, when a leader is leading with character, he sees things upside down. And the first thing that a leader of character sees upside down is the powerless. He sees the powerless differently. You see, these are people that are in the midst of a famine. 
that have been called to a great work by a charismatic leader. Come, let us rebuild the walls together. And they have leaned in and they're doing it. They're about 30 to 35, maybe even 40 days into this labor. They've been at it for a little over a month, working night and day with great intensity. And what we know, what we are introduced to in these initial verses is that the people on the lowest rung of the social structure are already feeling the pinch in a major way. Did you hear it? It actually says that the wives were banding together in verse 1 and coming and speaking out against the scenario. The idea is that men from all of the surrounding area have been called to labor at this work. Meanwhile, the wives are at home with their children. There's a famine. The fields are not being worked because the men are working all day in alignment with Nehemiah's calling. And now those families, a month in, 40 days in, they're starting to say, what is going to happen? The wives are saying, how are our children going to eat? And there's this moment where Nehemiah is introduced to a reality that he had been previously unaware of. As a charismatic leader that came from the Persian courts, he came in, he surveyed the landscape, he issued a call, people rallied, they're off and running. He's taking care of all of these big issues and problems, dealing with the forces that are pressing back against them. And what he realizes is this, that the most powerless in the midst are being affected negatively by his leadership. Calling them to this great work is a good thing, but he didn't realize that for people that were right on the verge, that were just making it day to day, being able to feed their families, that this call that he has issued to them is now causing these families to really struggle. And all of a sudden you have a leader that is introduced to this this recognition that he has left awake in his leadership and he didn't realize how it was going to affect the, the most powerless, the most oppressed And the question is, what does a leader with character do when confronted with this sort of challenge? When when he realizes that there are a people that were right on the verge and that now are exposed and are struggling, that feel entirely powerless. Did you hear that? In verse 6, they said it's not even in our power to help it. They were having to enslave their children, sell their children off to continue to keep the family farm together. This is a desperate plea from a powerless people and a leader of character. He responds differently than the world would have us respond. It's actually upside down. You see, a leader without character would respond in a whole host of ways, trying to protect and preserve themselves. But I want to tell you just real quickly four things that we see how Nehemiah, a leader of character, responds. The first is this. He is not defensive and he's not dismissive. It would be very easy as a leader who's doing a great work to get really defensive and to dismiss these voices. He doesn't have to arrange his plans around these people. They have no leverage over him. They have no power and no money. He doesn't have to listen to their cries. But as a faithful leader, he is not defensive and he is not dismissive. He actually actually hears them out. He has a high view of the Imago Dei, the image of God present in every human being. He He doesn't dismiss them, but but he slows down and pays attention. The second thing is that he considers the whole picture and he hears them all the way out. It would be easy to say something along the lines of, well, obviously these people weren't prepared. They haven't been saving. 
Maybe they haven't been working hard. It would be easy for a leader for the, like him to dismiss these people and say, well, that's your problem. This is an issue of personal responsibility and you need to figure that out. But no, when he hears them out and he considers all the factors, oh wow, they've got high taxes from a distant king. Oh wow, there's a famine going on. We're all in this together. He considers the whole picture and tends to them. It reminds me of, of Abraham Lincoln when leading in a very difficult season in our nation's history. Every week and one, one day a week, he would keep office hours. And for at least four hours on that day, he would allow the common person to come in and to, to, to have time in his office to express their concerns and what it was really like on the ground. A great leader considers the whole picture and is hearing the people out who don't have the power or the position usually to be able to speak. Tim Keller has once said, if the church does not identify with the marginalized, the church itself will become marginalized. This is God's poetic justice. You see, Nehemiah is willing in this way to identify with the marginalized. And then even beyond that, what it says in verse 6 is that he was very angry. The third thing that a, a leader of character does in respond to the powerless is that he internalizes their pain. He doesn't just hear it from a distance and say, oh, that's really sad. He feels it viscerally. He says, oh, this, this angers me. This undoes me. And it's interesting. The rest of that verse explains why. He says, I was very angry when I heard their outcry and these words. A leader who really hears the cries of the people, who really listens to their words, will have a response. You see, he becomes angry over the plight of the powerless. This is what a leader of character does. And then lastly, lastly, in verse 7a, the fourth thing is that he puts wise guardrails around this new spike of emotion. In verse 7a, he says, I took counsel with myself. What you have is a, a very powerful and charismatic leader that all of a sudden realized that his leadership has negatively impacted people. And he feels their pain and he grows angry over the issues that they're facing. But what he doesn't do is immediately start lashing out, tearing everything down, coming undone. He doesn't act irrationally out of his emotional anger and say, well, it's a righteous anger and this is a broken thing and so it's right for me to to scream and yell and stomp my feet, he realizes that that will not be productive or helpful. And so the fourth thing that a leader of character does is that he does internalize the pain, but then he puts guardrails on it by, by slowing down and taking counsel with himself. You see, the first thing that we see is that a leader of character sees the powerless differently. If you're leading a small business, if you have some authority at work, I would like for you to consider who is the person on the lowest rung the person who feels like they don't have a voice, what does it look like for you to prioritize their flourishing, to listen for them? Parents, what does it look like for you to continue to listen to your children and consider what, what it would look like to create a system where they can flourish? Wherever you have authority, pause and consider who has the least power in this system and how do I tend to them and listen to them? Because a leader of character views the powerless differently. But not only that, a leader with character views the powerful differently. Look with me at verse 7b through verse 13 as we continue in the story. Follow along with me. It says this, 
I brought charges against the nobles and the officials. I said to them, you are exacting interest each from his brother. And I held a great assembly against them. And I said to them, we, as far as we are able, have brought back our Jewish brothers who've been sold to the nations. But you now sell your brothers that they may be sold to us. They were silent and could not find a word to say. You see, what he's saying here is we have been laboring to bring the Jewish folks who've been scattered in the exile back home. We've had to buy them out of slavery. And he's saying that these people's greed is walking back God's redemption. He said, sold, sell, sold. He's saying your activity is turning back the good things that God has worked for these people. He goes on to say in verse verse 10, moreover, or pardon me, verse 9. So I said, the thing that you are doing is not good. Ought you not to walk in the fear of our God to prevent the taunts of the nations of our enemies? He said, shouldn't you care about God's reputation? Verse 10, moreover, I and my brothers and my servants are lending them money and grain. Let us abandon this exacting of interest. Return to them this very day. Feel the urgency in what Nehemiah is bringing to these nobles and officials. Return to them this very day, their fields, their vineyards, their olive orchards, their houses, and the percentage of money, grain, wine, and oil that you have exacted from them. Then they said, we will restore these and we will require nothing for them. We will do as you say. Then I called the priests and I made them swear to do as they had promised. And I also shook out the fold of my garment And I said, so may God shake out every man from his house and from his labor who does not keep this promise. So may he be shaken out and emptied. And all the assembly said, amen. And they praised the Lord and the people did as they had promised. You see, Nehemiah quickly transitions from tending to and listening to the voice of the powerless to now boldly addressing the nobles and the officials. He speaks to power boldly. And you see, our flesh and the world would tell us that when it comes to dealing with the powerful, those who could make life really difficult for us, we need to be sensitive. We need to make sure that we continue to curry favor with the powerful. The powerless don't need to be listened to because they can't affect your outcome. But the powerful, the nobles and the officials, they could derail what Nehemiah was doing. Isn't it interesting how he inverts it? He's listening to the voice of the powerless. He's speaking boldly to the powerful. You see, Edward Friedman reminds us in his work about family systems that great leaders are attached to the system. They're connected, but they're not fused with it. They're willing to challenge the system. They're willing to speak it. Nehemiah is a great leader that hasn't fused with the other leaders and thinking that my identity is their identity and we have to be one in everything. He's willing to speak back into the system and to challenge it. This is a bold leader willing to to challenge those who are with him. You see, a leader who lacks character is so concerned with the affirmation of the powerful. One One of the things that has been providing some joy in my home over the last few weeks is the musical Hamilton that has now been available, made available through film. And we've watched it several times. Uh, The songs are sung with some regularity at my house, Um, sung well by some, sung poorly by one. Um, But one of my, the most interesting characters is the way that Aaron Burr is developed. And there's, there's one moment as Alexander Hamilton, the main character, and Aaron Burr, the antagonist, are having this exchange. 
And those of you who are familiar, you know that Alexander Hamilton spoke his mind and was bold and courageous and willing to challenge systems and challenge leadership. And Aaron Burr always is giving him advice to be a little more political. He, 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 he tells him, talk less, smile more. And he talks about, don't let them know what you stand for. And at one point, as the, character, the characterization continues to develop through the play, there's a moment where Hamilton looks at Burr and he says, Burr, what do you stand for? And Burr begins to sing as he's closing down this, this number. And what he sings is that I want to be in the room where it happens. I want to be in the room where it happens. And at the conclusion of the song, seven times over, what he says is, I've got to be in the room where it happens. I've got to be there. I've got to be in the room where it happens. And that's the moment where you see the character of this leader revealed. He is desperate for power for power's sake. This is a a leader who lacks character. They become enamored with power and they say, you know, all that matters is just so long as I'm in the room where all the important people are. They know my name and they want me there. You see, Nehemiah does not fall into this trap. As a leader with character, he responds differently to the powerful. Three simple notes about how he does it. Character cares more about God's reputation than his own reputation. In verse 9, he says, shouldn't we care about the way people are talking about about God among the nations? If you have character, you're going to care more about God's reputation than your own. Two, you're going to call a spade a spade, even if it implicates you yourself. Just after saying this, this thing that you're doing is not good, he even says in verse 10, moreover, I and my brothers and my servants are lending them money and grain. That word for lending them money in the Hebrew uh, insinuates that, that actually Nehemiah was also charging interest at this point. He hadn't realized what he was doing, but now he's calling himself even to account. That a leader uh, with character will say, hey, this is not good, even if they are implicated, even if those waters wash up on their shore. That's what a leader of character does. And lastly, a leader with character, he pushes the issue to completion. He doesn't just play word games. He isn't just gesturing so that people will think he cares. I love that after the people say, amen, we're with you. We're going to do what you said. He says, well, somebody go get the priests. Let's get the priests in here and they're going to watch. And I want you to sign the dotted line. Say you're going to follow through. (laughs) And then after they do that, he issues a three-part curse. He says, may you be shaken out. May you be shaken out. May you be shaken out. Meaning, may there be curses on you if you don't follow through on this. You see, Nehemiah is a leader of character willing to call the powerful to account and to press it through to conclusion, not just gesturing and not just offering empty words. How are you doing as it relates to those who have authority over you? those whose opinions you really care about. If you are overly political, always trying to hide your actual convictions, trying to kind of like a a social chameleon, it may be that your character is lacking, that the actual conviction for who you are in the secret places has been compromised. Because a leader of character deals differently with the powerless, deals differently with the powerful. And then lastly, A leader of character deals differently with the prophets. Let's finish by reading verses 14 through 19. It says this, Moreover, the time that I was appointed, from the time that I was appointed to be their governor in the land of Judah, from the 20th year to the 32nd year of Artaxerxes the king, 12 years, 
Neither I nor my brothers ate the food allowance of the governor. The former governors who were before me laid heavy burdens on the people and took from them for their daily rations 40 shekels of silver. Even their servants lorded it over the people, but I did not do so because of the fear of God. He's saying, I've been a different leader who didn't take from the people for my own benefit because I fear God. He says, I also persevered in the work on the wall. We acquired no land and all my servants were gathered there for the work. Moreover, there were at my table 150 men, Jews and officials, besides those who came to us from the nations that were around us. Now what was prepared at my expense for each day was one ox and six choice sheep and birds and every 10 days all kinds of wine in abundance. Yet for all of this, I did not demand the food allowance of the governor because the service was too heavy on this people. Remember for my good, oh my God, all that I have done for this people. What Nehemiah says as he closes is he pays attention to the, the benefits that were due him as a governor who is working hard and leading both for this initial phase and for the full 12 years as a governor. He says, in all of those days, in all of those days, I didn't take advantage of the benefits that were offered to me. One lacking character sees the world through a lens of personal benefit, saying, how am I going to curry favor and get more and more accumulation? But, but one in leadership with great character looks about the flourishing of other people. How can I be to the benefit of others? They sacrifice rather than displaying greed. You see, for Nehemiah, what he's saying is, my bank statement tells the real story. And I would say the same is true for you and for me. Your bank statement tells the real story. What do you, what do you really value? Not like in a, in a spike of emotion, what do you talk about with great conviction? But if we all could just peer into each other's bank accounts, would we look into that space about how we gather resource and how we distribute resource? Would we say that person is for the mission of God? I see it in black and white on the ledger. They're in with all that they are. That's what Nehemiah is saying. A real leader of character isn't about greed and accumulation. He's about sacrifice and generosity. And if we're going to be those sorts of people, we're going to be a people that get there because we fear God and we see the plight of the people. And he finishes by saying he's confident that God is going to remember him. I just want to speak for a moment. Will you just... Maybe other things are happening. You're in the house. The kids are interrupting. Maybe you've been cleaning dishes or you're distracted. Would you just, if you don't hear anything else, would you hear this with me? Brothers and sisters. Nehemiah has confidence that someday his actions are going to be remembered in God's presence. And what I need you to hear is this. Every one of our actions those done publicly, but also those done privately when no one was watching. Our words, our responses to the powerless and the powerful, it will all be exposed, all of it, before a divine throne. We will be exposed. It will be remembered. And the truth is, none of us ultimately, as a person of perfect character, we will be exposed 
And I just want to invite us as we consider this great leader of character and as we're wrestling with it, I'm inviting you to repent. Where do you need to repent of the ways that you have been out of alignment with God's word and his ways and the way that you view the powerless and the way that you view the powerful and the way that you view profits and your own money? Would we be a people that are willing to to lean in and say, I haven't been a person of character in this way and I need God's grace over my life because one day I will stand before a holy God and answer for every ounce of my life. And I want you to hear this good news that we have hope as we turn to Jesus, the great leader, the one of perfect character. Can you just imagine the way that he has a heart for the powerless? He didn't have to listen for the outcry of the oppressed, but he does. He listens for your cry and mine, even when we're riddled with broken character and folly. He listens for the voice of the one that will call out and say, have mercy. Like he loves to answer that cry. He hears it all the way out and he feels it in his bones. And then he does something about it by addressing the powers at work. Satan and hell itself. He met them. He looked them in the eye and he said, I have come to kick in the door on your plans. And he did so through the cross and the empty tomb that he speaks a better word. And interestingly, he has all the riches of heaven and earth as the resurrected king sitting at the right hand of God. And it's not about his accumulation. He pours it out on us. We are rich in Christ. Brothers and sisters, hear me. Would you meditate on the character of Jesus? Receive his grace. If you've never said yes to Jesus as your king, I would invite you to do so even today. To admit that you're a sinner that you have broken character, that you need someone to rescue you even from yourself. If you've done that before, would you renew that joy by meditating on his character, by being transformed by his grace? And then in response to it, let's be men and women of character. The same in the secret place as we are in the public place, that we would be willing to slow down and listen to the cry of the powerless, that we would not bend to a knee to the powerful, just wanting their, their affirmation, that we'd be willing to call out what needs to be called out and that we would do so with all that we are, saying everything that's been entrusted to me is before you, O oh God. Let us be men and women of character who see the world upside down. Let's be those sorts of people in response to the grace of Jesus. Would you please pray with me? Oh, God, forgive me. Forgive me for the places where I lack character. I don't want to just have spikes of emotion and passion in public that's not matched by my, my, my bank account and what I love most, what I think about most, and who I pay attention to and who I'm willing to challenge. God, help us to be people of character. I pray that every little boy and girl that's a part of Seven Mile Road would be able to see in their mom and dad real character emerging. I pray, God, that everyone that we work with and that our neighbors would see us as people that are not perfect. We're, we're humble and needy of the grace of God, but we are being transformed into people of real character so that we truly can step into this moment to rebuild God, make us people of character for your glory, for our joy. Amen.